0: Let's have a word of prayer together. Let's get started. Open God's word together. Let's pray. Well, God, we are just us here. And um, we know that in our hearts, uh, we sometimes feel, and maybe we often feel, and at times, if we're honest, maybe we always feel, for periods feel as though it's just too much it's so hard and we uh, fail so often that um, it's easy to give up hope but God we're here this morning to recognize that we're your children you don't expect us in our own power and our own abilities with our t- own talents To be able to face this life, we're here as your children to be reminded that when we put our trust in you, you are more than enough to meet every need. And so God, as we open your word today, help your word to speak to us through your spirit in the way that you want to hit our hearts so that we can go out uh, from here and be the children that you desire us to be not perfect And not powerful in and of ourselves, but faithful and gracious and powerful in your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know about you, but I know for myself, when I I look at scripture, it's very easy to focus on the extraordinary, That is, the big miracles, the big flashy, amazing, kind of sometimes crazy stuff, right? And then to just gloss over the fact that these are real people in a real world, separated from ours by many, many years and many, many miles, but still real people living very real lives. And God meets them where they're at and gives them strength to face the challenges that arise. And as human beings, our challenges are are, are very similar. They might be far removed um, in the particular circumstances. But as people facing challenges, we all have a very common experience. And for many of us, I would say, the um, kind of default position, the thing that we settle into in our hearts and minds as we go through life uh, is is this. For many of us, it's this. Life is really hard, and I'm not able. Those two things, right? Life is hard, I'm not able. Well, passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning and Acts chapter 6 might help us to work on that default position so that when we face challenges in life, we can recognize that God wants to interject himself into that default equation that we kind of work in our heads. So Acts chapter 6, I want to start reading at verse 1 and uh, see how God intersected the life of the early church and provided them strength uh, in the challenges that they faced. Real people in a real time, far removed from ours, but still facing experiences that are, are common to what we face today. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, in those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered together, all the disciples, and said, would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. We're going to focus our attention just a moment in in a phrase in verse 3 of all the things that we could look at, and there's a lot that we could focus on uh, verse 3 is where we're going to uh, place our attention. But let's set a little context here so so the, the power of verse 3 can, can, can grab us the way I believe God wants to speak to us this morning. Familiar story, I suspect, for many of us. Here, the early church, as we've been rehearsing here and going over and looking at the past few weeks, the early church, uh, was was growing jesus died on the cross rose from the grave ascended into heaven gave his disciples the uh the 12 and the rest of the uh, believers gathered there gave him instructions to wait for the holy spirit to come so that they'd have power to do the job of being his witnesses so that the church would be built and that was happening it was happening in a powerful ways there was there there were uh Miraculous signs that were happening, people were being healed, and as a result of those powerful manifestations of God's work among the early church, people listened to the message that was preached, and thousands of people in a very short period of time came to know the Lord, to put their their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. So with that context in mind, we do well to focus on, yes, the fact that God was doing a great work. And that tends to be our focus, right? Uh, God was adding to the uh, number of believers daily, those who were being saved, as uh, we saw last week uh, and Jeffrey Lee shared with us. And, and, And we see that great work and we say, God, why not today? Why not now? Why not here? Why not us? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons why not here, why not now, why not us, and some of that might have to do with us, but I have a feeling a lot of it has to do with God, right? And so when we look at Scripture and we see what God is doing, we focus on the big stuff and we, 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 we say, why not that here now? Um, well, we need to focus on, uh, on this fact. that church growth is great and what's happening here is great, but uh, um, rapid church growth is not a normal thing. This was God doing something very specific. Think about it. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and uh, the, the uh, early church experienced um, the, these miraculous signs. There was something big happening. Uh, this is the start of the church. You would expect God is going to make a big uh, deal of it. And that's not to say God can't do big things similar to this today, but it is saying God does not tell us that this is what he wants to do all the time for his people and for his church. So we can pray, God, come in power, come in in might. Uh, May your spirit do great things. And we should pray that, as we'll see this morning. However, the manifestation of that might not look exactly like it looked 2,000 years ago. And not only should we not just uh, look at the the big things and say, God, why can't you do big things today? We should also recognize the baggage that comes with these so-called big things, right? There's problems (laughs) that came with rapid church growth In the early church and that's what we're seeing here the the different uh, sort of uh, um, folks uh, different different speaking uh, ethnic groups that all became a part of the early church Jerusalem in the first century was a place uh, of pilgrimage that Jews from all over the Mediterranean world would go to and in fact many people would Toward the end of their lives, if they were able, they wanted to save up so that they could go to Jerusalem one last time and stay there for as long as they could so that they could be buried in Jerusalem. Because they believed the Messiah would come and the resurrection would happen at Jerusalem and they would be right there. So they'd be the first ones to to jump into that new resurrection. Jerusalem is a powerful place uh, in the minds and in the hearts of first century Jews, and so that's why there were so many people there, but they're from all over the world, and so there were these ethnic tensions and these uh, uh, language differences, and the people from, uh, um, that, that, that lived in Judea uh, kind of looked a certain way toward the people that came from far-flung areas of the Roman world even though they were Jews because um, they uh, spoke different languages and had slightly different customs. They looked down on it. So there's problems that came. God's doing a big thing, but there's problems, baggage associated with those big things. And there's always baggage. There's always problems, right? That is when we kind of our uh, uh, default position is uh, uh, life comes at us with problems and I'm not enough to face them, well, there's a lot of truth to that, um, that thought process. Life does come with lots of problems. Even when good things happen, there's baggage that comes with that. You've got to deal with that. And so they were having to deal with how to take care of everybody equally. And so uh, we, we see the passage we see the story we see what they did the disciples the twelve the preachers the teachers the the leaders they said let's uh, let's have the body choose people from among their midst uh, uh, people who will be able to make sure that folks that needed to be taken care of the widows were being taken care of uh, equitably so who did they choose we're gonna see their names in just a minute but the names that came forward came forward because there was a certain <clears throat> element in their resume that allowed them to be chosen. And what was that? That's what's in verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Wisdom is a word that is woven throughout scripture we see it in the old testament we see it in the new testament and the 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 common thread of of this uh um idea of wisdom is that wisdom is uh, god-given knowledge that can be applied practically for daily living wisdom God-given knowledge that can be applied for daily living. I don't know what you think of when you think of wisdom. Uh, we tend, I tend, to think of somebody's are really smart, right? Wisdom. That, wow, they're really wise. That means that that they know a lot about a subject, right? Or they are able to to uh, you know talk about at length something in great detail, and we say, wow, that's a wise person, and there's an element of wisdom that does have to do with a mastery of certain facts and figures and and, and uh, information, and so uh, that's certainly good, but um, it's also possible that somebody who can know a whole lot about stuff, about something very specific, but their life is a mess, right? That's entirely possible, and so Uh, wisdom can apply to knowing a lot of facts, but what it's talking about from a biblical perspective is being able to apply the God-given knowledge that he gives to, to daily living, living the way God wants us to live. And it says here that that wisdom is somehow wrapped up in being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's that God-given part, right? So these men, these seven, were eventually chosen. They were full of the Spirit which provided them the ability, the knowledge, to apply wisdom to daily life. Because there was a problem that needed to be fixed. So they, they were chosen. Let's uh, let's go ahead and read verse 5. So it says this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus Nicanor Timon, Parmenas Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. There's a problem in the church. Big things happening. But associated baggage came with those big things. So the the people of God, the church, found men full of the spirit and wisdom to apply toward that particular problem. And as a result... Problem was fixed so that the word of God then spread and continued to, to bring people, even priests who were uh, there in Jerusalem coming to faith in Jesus. So these, um, these seven, uh, the, the um, first, first two of them, Stephen and Philip, we see them later in the book of Acts, in fact, uh, we see Stephen right right after this in chapter seven. Uh, uh, Philip shows up a little bit later. They were uh, uh, preachers who were able to uh, testify to, to God's power uh, similar in similar ways to the apostles, uh, but they were faithful men who uh, were chosen by God through the church to do the the just whatever needed to be done, which in this case was feeding the widows. Um, but they were men filled with the Spirit and wisdom. And notice that even though Stephen and Philip are going to go on and they're going to be highlighted for some pretty amazing things that happen through them, at this point, what are they doing? At this point, how are they applying that wisdom that came to to them through the power of the spirit at this point what is their um, their 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 accomplishment if their performance appraisal at this point in the in the game what is it they've done they've passed out food to people that needed it and by doing that they they're, they're demonstrating that they're filled with the spirit and wisdom. So let's think about that, settle in it, into that for just a minute. We look at scripture, we see the big things, right? God doing uh, miraculous, powerful things. That's what we tend to focus on. We also focus on the people that go out and they preach and they do miracles and and people come to the Lord. We tend to focus on that. and It's good that we focus on it because it's in Scripture and it's there for a reason, so we should focus on it. However, at this point, what's going on is people are just serving in a tangible, practical way to meet needs of the people in the body. And because they did that, the direct Causal effect is the word of God spread. What is it that God wants you and me to do as a result of following him, hearing his voice, and allowing the spirit to move? Well, much of it is just practical, everyday things. Just being faithful and looking around at the needs that are that are there and plugging in and, and, and meeting those needs, we tend to say, Uh, Look, life is filled with problems, and I'm not enough. Therefore, we feel helpless. Well, i submit to you that Scripture kind of agrees with those two elements of the equation. Life does come at us hard, and yeah, we're not enough. But there's this added element to the equation that we need to focus on, and that is God's Spirit gives us more than enough to face the challenges. And it may be that when the Spirit of God comes down and, and meets us in whatever it is that we're experiencing and we feel inadequate to rise to that challenge, uh, uh, it, it, it may well be that we're looking for God to do something really big and he just wants us to do something small faithfully and take care of the the needs around us. That's what happened here. And because of that, the word of God spread. We aren't enough to meet the needs and the problems that face us. That's true. But God's spirit gives us more than enough if we're willing to apply the wisdom he gives us to the situation and, and take the small things with the big and be faithful in that. So let's move on here and see how the story develops here in in, verse 8. So Stephen, remember we said Stephen is going to show up again. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, for members of the synagogue of the freemen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia who began to argue with Stephen but they could not stand up against what? The wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And they secretly persuaded some men to say, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. We'll stop there but of course the story continues, as we know, and in chapter 7, Stephen gets up and he preaches this amazing message through the power of the, the, that uh, the Spirit gives him to, to address uh, how the whole Old Testament is the story leading up to the fact that Jesus came to die for our sins and be raised from the grave so that we could receive salvation through his name and the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it say here? The, the situation is revolving around the fact that because he was faithful to follow the way the Spirit led him, opposition arose. See, life is filled with problems, right? Even when we do the right thing. In fact, especially when we do the right thing, God gives us the power. He leads us to, uh, to, to address whatever it is that we need to address that day, that very often can lead to even more problems, right? Now, we have to be careful. have to be careful. You heard me say it. Let me say it again. We have to be careful not to call every problem we face in life persecution for the faith. We have to be careful. See, Stephen, if we know the story here, he's going to end up being martyred going to end up being killed for his faith. Now, that's persecution, right? He stood up and told people about Jesus, and they killed him. Okay, that's persecution. We can agree with that. All right? But we have to be careful. Just because we face difficult people to us in our lives doesn't necessarily mean that they're persecuting us for our faith. They might. But sometimes... They're just being people, and we're just being people, and there's friction, and so it's hard. Now, God wants to address that and give us the strength through his spirit and wisdom to to address those situations, but let's not call it persecution if it's not. Let's also be very, very very careful not to be obnoxious Christians who go around trying to hit people over the head with the Bible and shove Jesus down their throat, and then when people don't like that so much, we say they're persecuting us for the faith. you hear what I'm saying? Let's be careful to not call everything that comes into our life. That's difficult. Call it persecution. However, there is an element of persecution that comes with following Jesus, because this this world, even though Jesus is on the throne and he's been exalt, exalted to God's right hand and he is ruling over this world there's still enemy forces at work and the principalities and powers and spiritual forces of darkness are still at work and so uh, God has us here he's rescued us he's given us his spirit it's our job to go out and take territory that is already his but there's enemy forces that are uh, trying to hang on with all their might so there's going to be persecution. There's going to be difficulties. It's going to be hard at times to live out our faith. So what's the answer? When we're facing difficulties, the answer is we need to ask God for the Holy Spirit wisdom that he, he wants to give us so that we can face each and every situation as it comes up. So notice here, Stephen, it says he was a man, uh, in verse 8, who was full of God's grace and power. And then later on in verse 10, it says he's filled with the wisdom that God gave him. Let's put those two things together, can we? So if wisdom is knowledge from God that we can apply to daily life, to try to deal with and untangle the the knots and the mess, as well as to walk in strength and power and do the right thing, If, if that's all part of wisdom, what's this grace and power about? Well, as we uh, kind of look at Scripture and we see God doing the big things and the miraculous, powerful uh, um, displays of God's power, and, and we say, God, why can't you do that now? What are we thinking of? We're thinking that, okay, I'm facing these problems. I wish God would just come down and zap the people that are giving me a hard time, right? It's kind of what we're thinking. I can certainly do that, and God from time to time has done that. But we've got to be careful about asking God to zap people because we deserve to be zapped too, right? We're all in the same boat together. But what Stephen demonstrates is that God's power is powerfully demonstrated through grace. And grace, that's kind of the opposite of zapping people, right? And so grace and power is somehow wrapped up in the wisdom that the Spirit gives. He wants us to display in our difficult times grace toward others. Yes, Stephen, he he died for the faith. Okay, He was persecuted, but he didn't retaliate in the same way. And because of that, God's power was displayed through him. Jesus died on the cross, our Savior, didn't retaliate. He could have called legions of angels to come and, and destroy the, those that were going to nail him to the cross. He didn't. He showed grace, and that grace is the power of the gospel. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke's gospel, chapter 21. Starting in verse 12, Jesus anticipated uh, the, the, the day that Stephen would be persecuted, when his followers would be persecuted. Jesus, when he was with his disciples in Luke 21, prepared them for the persecution they were going to face. in 21, Luke 21, verse 12 says, before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They'll hand you over to synagogues, put you in prison. We brought before kings and governors and, and all on account of my name. And so you'll bear testimony to me But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you'll defend yourself. For I will give you words of wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Jesus is saying if we follow him, there's going to be troubles. So life is filled with troubles uh, regardless as troubles we all face. Let's not call them all persecution. All right? But on top of the troubles that we face. There, there is persecution that comes when we walk faithfully because this world is in the, the, the grips of spiritual forces of darkness and uh, they fight back when we walk out in the gracious power of the Holy Spirit and, and seek to show by our words and our deeds what it is to follow Jesus. So persecution comes, but God gives us wisdom in order to navigate all of that and experience His power as we infuse grace into the situations that God puts us in when persecution comes. I want to close with this. The book of James, word wisdom pops up time and time and time again. And it follows in with the, the, the themes that we've been talking about here from, uh, from Acts and the Gospels and now with James. I want to kind of pull this together because I have a feeling that some of us this week might face some troubles. We might, right? Maybe some of us this morning are carrying some troubles with us here to church, and that's what's kind of in the back of our minds as we're hearing uh, God's word this morning. And, and we want God's wisdom to address those problems. Well, God wants to give us that wisdom, but we need to, uh, we need to be um, at least somewhat cognizant of the fact that uh, there's some things that we need to do in order to apply that wisdom to our lives. So first thing is, whatever situation we're dealing with, whatever comes to mind as we're talking about this morning, or whatever's right around the corner that's going to come at us when we leave here, first thing we need to do is we need to ask God to give us wisdom for that situation. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Look at the Bible. We look at uh, the book of Acts. We look at miracles. We look at amazing things happen. We look at thousands of people coming (laughs) to the Lord. We focus that. We say, God, why can't you do that? Well, let's focus on what God has said he would do. And that is, if we need wisdom, we can ask him and he'll give it to us. What did Jesus say? When persecution comes, uh, he will give us the wisdom to deal with that situation. So yes, life has troubles. We're not enough in and of ourselves to deal with it, but God gives us everything we need. So let's ask him for it and God will do that. And then... Skipping down to chapter 3 of James, verse 13 says, Who's wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And then down in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heavens, first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. How did God demonstrate the the power of the spirit in Acts chapter 6? He demonstrated the power of the spirit by causing people to rise up and distribute bread to hungry people. That's how it was manifested. How does God want to address the problems in our lives by giving us wisdom to address it? It's, it's, I don't know specifically, but generally I know this. It has to do with being considerate and submissive, full of mercy, impartial, sincere, powerful grace. Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. Powerful grace is the way of the Spirit. And you say, well, what if I don't feel it? I, I, what if my problem is this person that I want God to zap and Spirit's wisdom is that I should somehow be considerate, full of mercy, and all the rest. I don't feel it. That's not sincere. I want to be a hypocrite. I don't feel it. Well, how about this? How about we pray this? Let's try it on for size. Something like this, in your own words. I love you, God, and I want to serve you. I don't love this person making my life difficult but I sincerely obey you by showing grace to this person. I sincerely obey you by showing grace to this person. Do you think that's a powerful demonstration of God's spirit? I think it is. So as we go out and we recognize life comes at us hard and life's full of problems, we're not enough, that's true but God gives us through his spirit the power to deal with the problems of life that are too great for us if we ask for his wisdom and graciously serve one another. Let's pray together. So God, thank you that your word speaks to us today. And yes, Lord, we want you to do whatever it is that you want to do in our lives and in our church and in and through, in and through us and through our family. We, God, we want you to show up in powerful ways. Help us to be willing to accept how that power is demonstrated and by your spirit. Give us grace to powerfully exercise wisdom in our lives. In Jesus' name.